Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Hover Curry Cast, where we talk everything film, TV, video games, and conspiracy theories. I'm your host, Reese Bolton. And I'm your host, Reese Jones. And today we are covering the first season of The Last of Us, which just uh, concluded uh, last, well, by the time this episode comes out, Monday before. And um, it's been a very, very, very good series to watch, and we look forward to talking about it. Um, and we also got some news to talk about as well. So you can find us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash HoverCoveyCast, Facebook at HoverCoveyCast, Twitter at HoverCoveyCast. You can also email us, HoverCoveyCast at gmail.com. Please like, share, follow, and a review if you enjoyed the episode. Um, yeah, it's going to be a very big episode today, today because we're going to be talking yeah. about a lot of uh, last of us. I mean, we, we enjoyed it, both of us here. Um, as you can see, we've been following each episode, making like reviews of each episode on our Instagram. So if you go on the Instagram um, page, then all our all our reviews of each episode have been here. So, but we still got a lot to talk about because this is a very much going to be a very quite big, dis- big, very big dis- discussion. Yeah. Every um, yeah. show talk about. I'm looking forward to it. But we also got some yeah, news as too, well. Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, but wait, you'll have to just you know stick around and wait for us, <laughs> aren't we cruel? As always, we got we got news exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I put timestamps in as well. So if you don't, if anyone doesn't want to hear the news, then there's always timestamps. Yeah. I think that, you know that's that's that's, uh, that's worth it anyway. Um, first piece of news we talk about actually it's quite a sad piece of news. We have um, it's been the uh, the passing of Lance Riddick. So, yeah, um, yeah. do you say that Riddick? Is it Riddick or Red, Red Reddick? Um, um, I said Reddick. Um, I did. Okay. Yeah. Just, just that you know, Riddick is Vin Diesel, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, there's, yeah. There's yeah. only one Riddick. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, so on what, Friday, what, what um, do you um, sort of know Lance Reddick mainly from? I know him from um, the John Wick films. Yeah, John Wick films, and um, he's. Being his voice characters on Dest, um, on uh, Destiny, um, Horizon, um, I think Forbidden West, and yeah. um, and also he's in The Wire as well. So he's been, yeah. um, and he's been in uh, yeah, The Wire. He's been in Fringe, Bosk, uh, but he, he's always popped up and stuff. And he's a very good voice actor and a very good actor mm. as well. Um, and it actually came quite surprised when he. Um, passed away because it was like, you know, this was out, out of nowhere. It was like, well, hold on, you know, like, what was this? And apparently, like, people were saying that, like, you know, a couple of days ago he was fine, but you never know anyway. And I think he died natural causes, but I don't think they'll reveal how, like what causes death. Um, but it's actually quite, quite, you know, a sudden passing, and um, especially with like John Wick chapter four is coming up as well and um 
and he's got a couple of other films on the slate as well. Um, and if you if you don't know who who plays in John Wick Four, he plays the concierge in John Wick Four, and I think he's very good at stealing the scenes in those yeah. films. Like he has like a really great like presence there as well. Like yeah, uh, I feel like that he's got a sense of authority like in his mm. presence. Yeah, um, and I feel like he can like show kind of respect and authority just by his mannerisms and his movements and um the way he presents himself um but he's also as i say he's been in a lot of games and stuff like that as well and um i know the destiny community have done a lot of um basically honor their respects to him on the show which i thought i was on the game i thought i was i was pretty nice um and also he's coming up as i don't know he was in uh he was in vox machina machina as well um I didn't know about that, but also he's going to be playing Zeus and Peter Jackson in the Olympian. So he, I yeah. think, there's a lot of his stuff is going to be still be coming out after his um, after his death. Yeah, I remember watching him sort of like have these sort of very like boisterous and like very um, yeah. eclectic roles, especially sort of like in Fringe back in the day. I've never seen The Wire, you know. I've never seen Bosk, so um, I think you know I'd I'd like to sort of like get around to watching him just so I can sort of see like his full sort of like. Um, mm. Uh, back catalogue of work definitely definitely um but uh rest in peace uh, lance riddick um another great actor gone too soon i think how old was he he was like he was 60 <sighs> yeah well, apparently like just uh, yeah natural causes so yeah. nothing else has like sort of come out yeah that's um well he leaves behind a very great very very great legacy as well um Another piece of news to talk about today is the rumoured casting of Bar- Barry Keegan as yeah. um, the villain of Gladiator 2. Now, I'm called Gladiator 2 because pretty much it's Gladiator 2 until they give like a, a name out. Um, and he's going to be playing... Um, actually, look at this quickly. Um, I, like, whilst I'm, I'm trying to find out who he's playing, I think... This is great casting for a villain. Like you got Paul Mascal and you got Barry Keegan, and they're like two young actors in their like yeah. prime. Yeah. Both mm. nominated for Oscars this year. Yeah. And it Well, let's just think like what Gladiator, the first one, did for uh Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, and like I'd like you know, obviously, you know, they have, they're not gonna do what I want them to do, but I'd like sort of Barry Keoghan to play like a character similar to what he did mm. in um in the Green Knight. All oh, right, so he's playing um, Emperor Getter. Now, Emperor Ooh, okay. Getter was like um, he's quite. Not many people know about Emperor Getter, but he was like um, he was. I don't think he was as corrupt as uh, Commodus was. Yeah. Um, let's have a look at that. Yeah, so he was the the older. He was the uh, the far. He was his father was uh, Septimus Severus. Yeah, and he ruled from uh, two hundred nine to two eleven, um, and he was um, basically murdered. He, he got he got assassinated. Uh, so that's this is going to be interesting. And obviously, we don't know much details about this film, other, other than he's going to be a sequel to Gladiator, and it's going to be following Paul Mascow, who um, who played the young boy, but that, that you know, young boy that was uh, Colin Nielsen's son in the film so 
I think we spoke about this before. I feel like this boy is going to be like grow up to be one of the kind of gladiator following in Maximus De- Desmond Ridius's footsteps. Mm. And I see that he's going to come into contact with Emperor Geta. Now, this has not been confirmed, but knowing knowing the film and casting world, like once someone gets cast, once someone gets rumored, they're probably going to get casted anyway. Mm. Um, and um, I think this is really brilliant. I think. Like Barry Keegan, like would be a like a great like the great like successor of Joaquin Phoenix in in like as a villain in the Gladiator uh, series, mm. and I think that's good. he looks like like he has got like a it sounds horrible to say about Barry Keegan, but he can play like a quite a good villain as well. Like and I don't know why, but maybe just like. His like face is like quite a good like rough yeah. villain face. He, he does like you see him like especially in like the killing of a sacred deer or yeah. something. He has that not like a blank stare, but almost like he oh, like an unfeeling face. And you know, I'm sure he's a very nice man in person, but the character he the characters he can play like that range phenomenal. Like, and then you look at him in Banshees of Inner Sharon, right? And he's very whimsical. He's very playful. Yeah, and, yeah. He can do that just by changing like the, his facial features, just by the tiniest amount. Is phenomenal. He's probably I'm, one of my, uh, my favorite up and coming. I'm actors. so looking forward to his film if it's, it's got this, if he's casted. Um, I think that's really superb casting as a villain as well. Um, I hope it happens. <laughs> if it's rumors, I say rumors, it probably will happen. But he's playing the uh, he's playing a getter, like so he's an emperor. Mm. Um, so, but hopefully he will like channel kind of like Wacky Fiends' Commodus in this new one. Well, well, you know, put his own sort of like spin on 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 his mm. role because you know this this isn't Commodus, is it? A Commodus, no, this no, is a different character. No, no but, definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I find also there's rumors that Denzel Washington's going to play a role in this film. Now, um, I don't, I don't really not a big fan of that because I feel like he mm. might steal some of the limelight off. Paul Mescal and Barry Keegan, but yeah. I hope it's as, as a side character because obviously you know you got Denzel Washington in the Gladiator film. You're thinking, oh, he would probably play the main role, wouldn't he? But like he probably play a side role in it. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to his film coming out now. The more I I I, I see it, I mean, uh, really Scott's directing it as well. So I think I as he directed. As Gadget, the first one, one of his better films, I have high hopes. Um, he would make a good Gadget sequel. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's some cast news right there. And the last piece we talk about uh, this week is Tarantino's final film has been announced and it's going to be called The Movie Critic. Um, so this was announced on uh, The Hollywood Reporter um, and Tarantino has written a script and he plans to direct the film in the fall. Um, take it to a pinch of salt because I don't know if this is legit or this is like something that's been leaked by accident or something. Or uh, but it's gonna be set. It's gonna be his final his final movie, and it was sent. It was sent on a woman in late seventies Los Angeles, and apparently it's gonna be following a, a critic and. It's going to be following this, uh, this critic called Pauline Keel. Um, and she was this, um, this, I think, yeah, so this, uh, I'm trying to look now. Uh, 
and she's one of the most inf- influential critics of all time. So this looks like mm. interesting. And knowing that Tarantino, he's kind of trying to find a way to kind of make some alternate history out of this as well. Yeah. Um, and that seems uh, to be his thing now, isn't it? His yeah, house. yeah, yeah. I think that would be quite interesting as well. And I think he would try and put a lot of like self kind of like like kind of like self commentary on critics as well because Tarantino has been like criticized quite a lot by movie critics for like the violence in his films and uh, his use of racial slurs and and um, language and all that. So this could be interesting. Um, I heard that Jessica Chastain might be playing the lead role, but again, that's a rumor. Um, but this is interesting. I know he's going to direct a couple of episodes of Bounty Law as yeah. well. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but apparently this is going to be his final film. Um, I say never say never because, you know, some this is Hollywood where people say it's their final performance, usually they're not coming back for something. Yeah. Dan, apparently Downing Day-Lewis, I think he's yeah. pretty much done that. And, and you know, like <laughs> Tarantino has said before that, oh, you know, this is going to be his fa- uh, last film, whatever. The, lest we forget, you know, Hateful Eight was meant to be not even a film. It was meant to be a play, which yeah, that was that was leaked. So he decided, oh, I may as well make it into a feature film. Right. Let's, so you know, I'm thinking, let's go through the films he's done. So he's yeah. done Reservoir Dogs, number one. Then it's Pulp Fiction, number two. Jackie Brown, number three. And then would you say Kill Bill one and two are both the same film or well, separate? Um, I I I do class them as two different films, but okay. his original vision was that it was one yeah. film. Yeah, you know. So I'll put down I'll put down Kill Bill one, Kill Bill two, it's both four and five. Hmm. Then it's Inglorious Bastards. Then it's Django. Um, Django. Then eight is Hateful Eight. Then nine is Once Upon a Hollywood. Number ten. Okay, so it's this ten. It's basically his tenth film. But if you count Kill Bill as two as one film altogether, then it's his ninth film. Um, and you know he's done other stuff as well. Like he's directed some moments of in Death Proof and Grindhouse and stuff as well. And he was a supervising director on um, Sin City. So you know he's done other stuff as well. Um, did you know he directed two episodes of CSI? <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, crazy. yeah. Two episodes of CSI. If you go on like his um, IMDb, it's like two episodes of CSI, Crime Scene Investigation. I think back in like the early two thousands. I think oh, Trust so Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, same. Um, yeah. So I hope this is going to be an improvement over that. But, you know, Tarantino films always end up coming out really, really good. Hmm. And uh, I know he's going to have a very stellar cast for this as well. So I think we, if this is going to be coming, shoot, starting filming in the fall, we're going to be seeing a lot more like casting news come out throughout the month so this is quite interesting um very very interesting quite sad actually that it's gonna be his final film because you he's kind of wanting to keep making films um but i think with some directors like if you if you have like it's better to like come out with like a small bit of like brilliant acclaimed films and just keep going on 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 for years and then having mm-hmm. some of your film directing your films coming a bit like less and less yeah, and they hit and miss, and I think I found that with Ridley Scott's films because he's been directing since the, what, like the seventies, and um, some of his films have been very hit and miss throughout the year, especially recently. So, um, but yeah, but I think Tarantino, I'll say he's, he's still in his prime, uh, right back from like nineteen ninety two. So you know, everyone loves Tarantino movie. So 
yeah, I think I'm looking forward to this. Um, I think that's all that's all the news we've got for this week. So let's go and talk about the big, big um the big infected piece on the podcast, and that is The Last of Us. The Last of Us season one, as uh as we've got season two coming out. So and we've got we could talk about it as well. So uh Last of Us season one based on the acclaimed video game series uh created by Naughty Dog and Naughty Dog uh made uh, the effect, the reframes Uncharted games as well, and um, if you have, if anyone seen the Uncharted film with Tom Holland, then please say agree with me that is absolutely trash because it is. <laughs> uh, that's not how you do a Naughty Dog adaption, but you know, hey hey. And it was created by Craig Mazin, who um, directed some of the Hangover films and also directed Chernobyl um, and Neil Druckmann as well. So both both of these uh, two men created the show together. Uh, stars Pedro Pascal as Joel and Bella Ramsey as Ellie. And if you, re- if you recognize uh, Pedro Pascal, then I mean, you know, Pascal is probably the biggest. I'll say, in my opinion, he's probably the biggest, biggest actor right now at this moment. Yeah, he's, he's looking... the highest paid actor, uh, TV actor. Yeah, and the amount of stuff on Twitter with him right now is like, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, and he's 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 in the Mandalorian right now. He's been in like so many other films, and you know. Remember, this guy started off really. He came really famous for playing Oberyn Martell in Game of Thrones, mm. and Bella Ramsey. Talk about Game of Thrones. Bella Ramsey played uh, um, a Lysa Mormont. Oh, Lyanna um, Mormont. Lyanna yeah. Mormont. That's it. Yeah. Lyanna Mormont in um, Game of Thrones, and she stole every scene she was in. She was like powerhouse performance, like a young girl character, like a able to extract respect and authority yeah it's just like amazing mm-hmm. and then what did you two... think though about her initial announcement that she was going to play ellie i did not um i did not have problems with it at all yeah. i think i think it was very very good um i know some people had a lot of fan casting about you know macy williams and then it was um oh, obviously one of the girls from book smart was going to pay ellie but I think that's kind of like facial appearance as well. Yeah. They were like, oh, we need someone to look who looks like Ashley Johnson's Ellie. Um, yeah. Because that's, like, that's, that's love... the thing. Like, yeah. Um, the initial like facial, like the look of the character was inspired by Elliot Page, right? Yeah. 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 Obviously, yeah, like voiced by Ashley Johnson. And like, what a phenomenal voice actress Ashley Johnson is. Um, I, I don't but, know what I felt like. I've I've never had such a strong, you know, like fan connection to The Last of Us. So, like upon her sort of like casting, I was a bit like, oh, you know, well, she she looks quite dissimilar from the character from the games, but whatever. Whereas, um, I was I was very confident in Pedro Pascal's announcement. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like when they they announced that like da- uh, Damon Targaryen was going to be played by Matt Smith, I was very hesitant. I was like, you know, him playing this sort of like, you know, like a buccaneering like rock star of a Targaryen. I was like, mm. but then he, he obviously blew his performance out of the water. With this, I was literally thinking like, well, he's perfect for Joel. I thought he was perfect. I, I, I perfect. thought I thought it was absolutely perfect as well. And I mean, you know, it's not beat for beat the same as the game because you know his text and accent kind of comes and goes but again yeah. i'm i'm not that attached to this character that i i will boycott the show purely over pedro pascal's lack of a texan accent 
No, and this film's been boycott for other reasons, which we will go into. Yeah, in, yeah. In this episode, but like, I thought Pedro Pascal, Pedro Pascal can play serious. He can play funny. He, you know, and I think he's got a good acting range with Bella Ramsey. If this was a new actress coming on and I've no clue, then I'd be like, okay, why is she why does she deserve to play Ellie? Mm-hmm. And after watching Game of Thrones and her performance, I was just like, I I think she deserves to play Ellie. Like I know some people are quite hesitant and I don't know why. Because I feel like out I mean, in the Last of Us fan base, Ellie it's like a lot of people love Ellie yeah. more than Joel. So I think a lot of people based on that like, okay, we want this person to play Ellie. And then when it came out, Bella Ramsey playing Ellie, I think some people were like, well, hold on, I disagree with that. But I, you know, I, I, you know watch again phones and she steals every scene they're in. I, I wasn't hesitant at all. Um, yeah. And in a day, it's like, you got to see how they portray these characters before you start mm-hmm. judging on them when they first get, get exactly. casted. Yeah, yeah. And I know, like, you know, in, in, like, TV before, like, you know, there have been some bad castings of characters, you know, adaptations. Like, look, you know, talk about, you know, Uncharted. You know, we had Matt, Mark Warren playing Victor Sullivan. Like, oh. that, that, that is the worst, one of the worst castings I've, I've seen in a while. Well, like, well, you know, everybody points to um, Colin Farrell in that Alexander flick. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was exactly. horrendous. That, yeah, that was yeah. Horrendous. But that was an example yeah. of, of he was big at the time. Let's chuck into all these epic movies and stuff yeah. like that. Like, yeah, and I, I guess like sometimes it comes across as like actors trying to break typecasting and obviously yeah. becoming miscast because of that. Trying and to also, break out of it. And also, he was like, that was such whitewashing that that performance, wasn't it? Yeah, Cause... like you know, he's meant to be like, what is he like a Greek? Yeah, well, sorry, a yeah. Macedonian, and let, yeah. let's give it to like the the palest Irishman. Irishman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I was from playing a Greek. Um, yeah. And and you know he has like the thickest Irish accent in that film as well. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, like Bella Ramsey is an English actress, right? Um, and her sort of like American sort of like accent as Ellie is kind of good. Like, yeah. I was very convinced that like, oh, you know, you kind of forget that this isn't an, uh, an American actress, which I think is always good when you know you get that sort of like, especially a young actress like herself, you know, like trying to play like someone of a different nationality or someone who sounds very different to their she, resting she, she, voice she's a supporting character in game of thrones and became like a main character yeah so yeah. and i mean with american accents as well you have to like it's really there's so many different accents to like yeah and i mean go from it, as well yeah it is easy to put on that sort of like stereotypical mm. like american accent but to sort of put on a convincing one or yeah as you said like or put on a more localized accent it is very uh, challenging i think so um, I give a little bit of a premise of this mm. of this uh, show, but this is a very spoiler heavy, and we will be discussing some spoilers for Last of Us Part Two. So if any um, if anyone you know, um, I'll say <laughs> I will mention it as we've got to talk about some spoilers in Last of Us Part Two. Yep. Don't be spoiled. Um, but basically, this um, so this is twenty years after this um, kind of what would you say fungus pandemic spreads yeah. outbreak and basically the whole world basically like collapses humanity you know a lot of humanity is wiped out and become this kind of like infected like i would say zombified but yeah. they kind of call them more infected than zombies mm. and basically it's uh so it follows uh Pedro pascal playing joe miller 
and basically his daughter died in the outbreak uh 20 uh, the outbreak and he's basically like a broken man trying to kind of live his life you know in the ruins of um boston massachusetts and he is basically tasked with um by the marlene of the fireflies this rebellious group who opposes uh fedra and fedra is kind of like this uh totalitarian Dict, you know, dictatorship kind yeah. of like uh, what remains of the, gov- the U.S. government, and he's tasked with um, taking taking this girl called Ellie across America to uh, this uh, this base in Salt Lake City, where um, to basically because what happens is like Ellie has got is not she's infected, but she doesn't turn, and they yeah. and the firefighters think that she is the cure for the man. She is the cure. So it's really all about this massive journey uh, Jill and Ellie take. And it's all about how their characters at the start, they're like so distant. One doesn't want to do with the other. And at the end of it, how they all become together and they, and, mm-hmm. you know, they all fight. They all, you know, she, he becomes like a, you know, like a, a father to her. Yeah. And she becomes a daughter to him. And it's a very, very moving, moving show. Yeah. And, um, and there's so many different, like, and obviously following the game. And bear in mind when, when you watch the show is, the show is roughly what, like nine hours long, nine ten hours long. But yeah, the game is that. like it can go on for like forty hours. The game, so trying to incorporate yeah. a forty-hour game into like what 10, 10 hours is quite. You know, there's obviously going to be parts of it as well that are not going to be in the game. Um, but that's basically the, the basic premise of um, yeah. The last. So, I mean, um, you know, th- there's. Um... Uh, we we've discussed this before, you know. We were talking about uh, the Super Mario's film. Um, video games have had a very bad reputation in terms yeah. of um, studios, um, you know, TV series or, or films um, having trouble to sort of adapt them well. So, you know, especially for a TV show like a serialized drama, the question arises: how to, you know, keep the spirit and original character intact, but also make it um palatable for like new audiences as well yeah and yeah. i think um one of the most admirable things about this show is not how faithful it is to the original material but how it deviates but still manages to almost um elevate the original material and obviously you know i'm i'm going to you know the, the the main example of this is i guess like bill and frank's sort of like story in episode yes. 3 yes um i've never played the games i, I think i've said that already but like um, you don't really get that much backstory on like the, these two survivors. No, and and their their relationship is only hinted at at the games. Yeah, whereas yeah. the show obviously elaborates and expands upon. You know, they, they these survivors were in love and they spend twenty odd years together. So um, ba- yeah. basically, in the game, you only see you see Frank basically hang, hanging him, you know, hanged. Basically, he's commit he's killed himself really. So that's the only kind of idea you get from Frank. And then, you do, as we said, like we do have hints that Bill and Frank were, you know, kind of a in a relationship. And, but when we see Bill, Bill's kind of like this, at the end, as a start, you kind of think he's just some crazy guy, but like, mm. that you kind of stumble on. And um, I'm glad that this show was able to put more time into that because the third episode is, it's not, I, people say it's like a filler episode, yeah. I think mm. like, oh, you know, why is this episode? Why does this episode deserve to be last us? Like, Come on, you know, we're following this like journey. There's nine episodes in this, in this season. Why are we focus on this? 
yeah. because it's looking not just about two characters, but about really what this show has done, really was done really well, is shown the world of Last of Us about yeah. human society. Mm. That you can literally have just nine episodes of this of Ellie and Jill just going to one place to another and stuff like that, and that's it. Yeah. But really this this show wants to incorporate also what's going on with the rest of the last of humanity. That's why it's called The Last of Us. And you know, like it's called The Last of Us, The Last of Humanity. And it's following this two cup this these two couple and how the idea is of like love, like one of the, the you know traits of hu- human nature is able to still continue. Yeah, most of humanity is being wiped out yeah. in the post-apocalypse, mm. and it's very, very touching. It and is. Very, it is very. Oh my god! Yeah, it's very, very emotional, and I feel like people who people have boycotted the show because of that episode, and it's for the wrong reasons. And I, and it's another example why I'm getting sick of, um, of people basically still in this day and age where having a same-sex couple on screen still receives backlash mm. and i think what the last of us has done really really strongly is able to incorporate that not once but twice in the show yeah yeah and you can see that like if you've got an imdb people have given it one stars and stuff because they're like oh, i don't want to see this on the on the show he said like, yeah you don't want to see to a couple you know a, 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 you know like a homosexual couple a well, gay couple on yeah I, I think basically what you want yeah, you I, I think it's basically like you know they're, these two people, you know, especially in this like horrific world, yeah. have managed to find each other and you know, find love. And the, the the fact that they're like of the same uh, sex is immaterial. Like that shouldn't yeah. matter. No, it, do, it, do, it doesn't. It doesn't. But then it allows, in a way, it kind of allows that a little bit more freedom. And I feel this might be something looking at it a bit too much, but the able uh, like these relationship these relationships. Are able to be expressed more freely in this post-apocalyptic world because society has not been able to kind of like you know you know like now nowadays is still kind of you know some some communities still frown upon homosexuality as like you know it shouldn't be expressed in public it should be very private and stuff and i think that's that's wrong um but again it shows that like any 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 type of love are able to kind of continue in this in this world and it really should you know it's it, and it really shows how humanity even at the end of it like it's able to develop like humans are able to develop cows are able to develop because when we first see bill he's basically this kind of you know like conspiracy theorist to he's always by himself and he doesn't really care about people and frank was able to make him believe in something like yeah to like believe in someone and kind of and it's kind of like changed him like as a person and i think that's so like magical in that way and i i know i i'm glad we had like what an hour and 20 minutes of that to be honest and I, we did see a little bit of like journey but also it's it, as i said it expands the world and i think that what well, that's what i think that's what makes it like brilliant and a lot of people say that like that episode is the best episode of this show I've got different, my best episode of the show, you know, we'll talk about it later on, but like, I can see why a lot of people say, you know, think that. And I think it just works so well. Like, and the people who do say, oh, it's filler, it's kind of pointless and stuff. It's like, they're not really looking at it in that way. 
Mm. Um, but they just wanted action, say. didn't they? they? A lot of people, I think, went into this thinking, yeah, you know, they weren't yeah. maybe exposed to the games before, but they went in thinking, oh, it's going to be The Walking Dead. You know, they're going to shoot some zombies in the head. But, you know? but like, The Walking Dead isn't like this show. It isn't about the infected. It's not about the zombies. It's about the survivors. Yeah. So when people, I've seen people who like say, but oh, there's been no infected in this episode of The Last of Us. Like, it's just not. It's not, you know, the show is not called The Infected. It's called The Last of Us. Yeah. It's yeah. about huma- yeah. what remains of humanity. Well, I, I mean, this isn't a game either, is it? This is a no, show. No, so, no. Um, in the game, I guess, like, the, the infected are kind of, like, everywhere, aren't they? So yeah, every yeah. time you turn a corner, like, you have to look out for infected yeah, the, and all this stuff. Yeah, the game is very... Uh, yeah. We have to get... We have The game is, a lot of it, we have to deal with infected boards. Okay, we just enter this, like, abandoned tunnel. Okay, we have to get from there to there. Okay, it's infected. Let's kind of deal with that. That's basically what 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 a lot of it is. And uh, you know, there are moments, and when the infected are used, are done really, really well. Yeah. But I think yeah. if it was too much of infected. I think maybe yeah. the kind of point of it would be a bit exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. And especially how the characters are able to dispatch them so easily, they lose their the fear factor, wouldn't they? So I think yeah. Well, as you're saying, it's right. Less is more. But also, yeah. it makes it makes more sense that as they leave the city and go into more kind of the countryside, they're arguing less infected. Yeah, yeah. Because why would they be there? There's no yeah. reason for them to be there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then, you know, a lot of like the other threats become more prevalent, isn't it? Like raiders and yeah, r- rival um, factions of, of humans that are left over. It makes more sense, you know. And then obviously, you know, other things like starvation, exposure. You know, it 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 is. Not just about you know like the the zombies, I guess. Yeah, yeah and, um, and and I, I want to make like one more point about like um, uh, Bill and Frank is that um, by having an episode dedicated to their story, they've set a precedent in that they can now have um, other episodes in the future potentially dedicated to like these one-time characters to explore their story, you know, like and to go into their history. I, I think this is uh, it's really good. Exactly, yeah, and and you know, like we had in episode five, we had uh, you know uh, some you know, part of the episode was following he- uh, he- you know Henry and Sam, like, yeah. and those characters are really important because again, it opens up the world and looking at like how someone with like you know hard hearings able to survive, but really it's also about like a brother looking after a brother, mm. and. Ha- and what's left, and then also how that really every character during any meet on their journey change that cha- helped change them as a person. Yeah, like and like Sam's Sam's death uh, by Henry and Henry's suicide because he had to kill his, his uh, Sam who gets infected changes Ellie and make and you see that uh, innocence of Ellie go as the show goes on. Mm, and it yeah. really, and I always put this point across that this is a world where innocence doesn't is 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 innocence. It's, it's a weakness, like, isn't it? It's a weakness, but also like children, it's, it's, it is suffered the children. That's the thing. Mm. The, the children aren't you know aren't out of yeah. the kind of horrors. They are still they are yeah. they you no know, children get affected. Children get mm. killed. Children get shot. This is literally the, the world. Yeah. I, I kind of wish though that they made Ellie a little bit more um uh, like more impressionable and more naive at the beginning. Whereas yeah. she starts off very boisterous and very confident. Yeah. Um 
you know, and and like not very world wise. Like that's what that's how I know in the game that you know she starts off as a bit of a liability. Like you know, Joel has to look after her, but then obviously when Joel is injured, she has to sort of come into her own, and it's sort of like almost like a sink or swim moment for it her. It's definitely a sink or swim moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I kind of I was kind of hoping for her to be, and and I I kind of see what she was doing. That um, it was almost in the show like. Obviously, show early and game early are totally different characters. Mm. Show early starts off with almost like a false bravado, a false bravado, like a facade of yeah. confidence, and that's gradually broken down as you know she learns to trust Joel, and then when he gets injured, she truly has to you know harden herself and become more of a you know develop like these survival sort of skills. Um. And obviously, then sort of like, um, uh, well, how do you describe it? The sort of like steward sort of role is reversed because, you know, if it wasn't for Ellie, then Joel would die. You know, so yeah. like the role is reversed. Like, that's really good to show some. But, but, but also, also, it's like Ellie symbolizes the next generation. Yeah. So, how are this next generation going to survive when the old generation, so like the, you know the the Joel, for example, when they pass away because they're the they're the first generation of this post-apocalypse, yeah, yeah. And then it, it's like a passing of the torch, and, isn't it? and it's literally passing the torch. And again, as you said, it's a sink or swim moment. And Ellie's like kind of gone from innocence to kind of more kind of like you know descent to violence really does continue in the second game as well, and it kind of mm. sets up more. Yeah. Well, and that's um. That's for another time, I think, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, we could talk about that as, as later on. But like, because um, that's what probably going to be seen a lot more in in season two. Like, yeah, and, and it's the next, and it is the next. You no, know, she is the next generation, and it's like, okay, yeah, you know, Joel's not going to be around forever. So how's Ellie going to survive on her own? And mm. that's why they, the show and the game, puts her in these situations to be like, okay, you have to. This is how this is how you survive, because this is a world where, like, you know, survival is imminent. So, yeah, you know, so survival is necessary. Yeah, and um, you know, if you don't shoot them, they will shoot back. And and I love how when we go through this journey, we see these different types of people. They see different groups of people and how society the apocalypse has changed them and i think i'd be quite interested to talk about it. so i mean you know we looked at like the fireflies yeah yeah look at fedra so fedra is kind of like what mains of the u.s government and they've kind of introduced a kind of totalitarian you know state really where like uh, everybody has to work for you know fedra if you basically speak out against them you get shot you know if you try and escape you get shot and then that, it becomes like kind of like control. And then the fireflies represent more freedom. So if the fireflies are like a rebel faction uh, spread out across America, but basically opposed what Fedra's doing. Hmm. And they're trying to kind of bring back the democracy element of, of America. Yeah. And, and it's common. And it's kind of this world that, I, you know, the government is gone. Yeah. So what, what remains of the government becomes like okay we have to in order to adapt we have to be tough yeah well yeah and then that's when you get this kind of like you know fascist regimes come along yeah yeah they are literally fascist they are and literally fat and and that's like i guess it's organic because you know 
they, yeah, there was this pandemic and it was killing people and it killed the majority of our of our species. So like the the thing that was trying to maintain control and then ultimately like reduce how much damage was being done would descend into um I wouldn't say necessarily fascism, but definitely like authoritarianism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the survivors of humanity, they humans are need to be let. That's the thing. Like, and and these people who are literally like they lost everything. Yeah, like they lost family, loved ones in this outbreak. Yeah, this mm. you know this apocalypse, and they need to be let and they will follow somebody who appeases them, yeah? And I'll compare it to Nazi Germany because fascism, in a way, was like... The reason Nazi Germany kind of... You know, Nazism kind of exceeded in Nazi, you know, Germany was because it, they, people thought that they were they would keep Germany, Germany alive. They were, pro, you know, they were important for Germany's survival. Mm. And that's why a lot of people felt like listened to them and joined, and joined the ranks and stuff. And the same thing is here. And as you follow these people who are like, you know, oh, we would do this. We 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 have control and we'll be able to keep you safe. People will follow it, yeah. Regardless of like what the concerts could, could could be, regardless of what their political ideology is gonna be. And you know, you can say that Fedra, like they're trying to keep control. And there all are gonna be people who are gonna be against it. And the Fireflies, there are rebel uh faction but they're not the good guys and and we've seen this as well what the show has done is the rebels especially we talk about uh kathleen so basically in um well it used to be pittsburgh but now it's uh kansas city so kathleen is the leader of this group that um basically was against fedra and they managed to dethrone fedra and take control and in the way of keeping power they start executing people that basically used to be, you know, sided with the federal regime, yeah. And you see now the rebels becoming the, um, I would say, you know, the rebels becoming the kind of the corrupted. Um, And so it's like a circle, basically, you know, it comes along. So in order for the rebels to kind of keep control, they start executing people that disagree with them. Yeah. And, you know, that was the same thing. That was what they were uprising against before. So it's very interesting looking at that, yeah. Mm. And and they're followed by a blind leader, because Kathleen is a blind leader. She's so consumed with vengeance over her brother being betrayed that it actually leads to the what remains of the human of humanity left in the city gone by the end of episode five. Um and then we look at for example, we go to Jacksonville Army, which is, I would say, is what the ideal, I, this is the ideal kind of way of which humanity should survive in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, as, like, as like, you know, these different like social experiments have gone, it yeah. is the most effective, isn't it? Because Exactly. I mean, uh, Jackson is a real like town. I, I've looked yeah. it up and yeah. it is this sort of very like isolated community. Um, And I guess, yeah, because maybe the the virus they explained in there that sort of like it does like heat so because it's quite you know cold up in wyoming maybe it does struggle to survive there so being being in this place this is like an ideal position where we can not just survive but thrive as a species again 
also it's um they're able to have different leaders there's like elections yeah. and stuff like that and yeah it's not somebody who just taking control it's not like a warlord who's taking control hmm. and being like i am your leader now you all have to serve me it's very democratic in that way and you could say they're a bit socialist but in a day like i don't think po- political ideologies sometimes is not like the main issue in the post-apocalypse as i say people will follow who they hmm. think it would would keep them alive yeah. um but jackson is kind of the example of what humanity should do following this yeah yeah apocalypse really mm. like they're able uh, to like yeah. they have cinema they're watching films like <laughs> yeah. they have like they have like central heat and have yeah. wa- but, but that's why like... that's why i like death stranding because do you know like um death stranding you can sort of like um ferry about like essential mm. items you know food um clothing medicines whatnot but then if you do like check what your cargo you are carrying stuff like movies my you know magazines you know like like junk food yeah. and it because it just shows that you know it's not just about surviving it's about thriving it's about yeah not just ca- taking care of like you know the, the body but the mind and the soul isn't yeah it? that and these little things which don't seem that important initially they do because it, it raises morale it, cre- it creates a community yeah, exactly. And talking about like, you know, people following like blind leaders, we talk about like Dave and his community, like in that result. Yeah. And they just, they kind of made, they form, they've kind of believed it's kind of like humanity has kind of lost so much touch in itself that it will, yeah, said it will follow like blind leaders. And David makes himself to be like, a, a, you know, um, a messiah to his people. Mm. And through them, he's able to kind of corrupt these people and kind of corrupt this resort. And, you know, they're, they're eating people. Like, that's a, that's a secret. That's how they're able to stay alive. Mm. So it's like a complete opposite of what the Jackson community are yeah. as well. It is like, um, yeah, like a, a corruption, isn't it, of like community where but it's also they, quite to interesting. survive, they're literally eating themselves. Yeah, and know? how what these people are doing is these kind of cult leaders in this post pocket world are twisting the Bible teachings as well. Yeah. Um, I find that really, really interesting. And um, but also interesting seeing how religion is still important because I would have thought religion of the post apocalypse, you would like lose sense of like purpose or, or like God. Yeah. But I find it interesting how even in, in this post apocalyptic world, people still crave to religion. It's, um, yeah, it's it's very very interesting, and as we you know, we see that with, you know, there's different types of how of groups of how they have adapted to the post you know this kind of post apocalyptic America, and um, it kind of gives the sense that like all across the world, there's probably similar people like this, and um, it's very very interesting, and um, I also want to talk about so how this is quite interesting this is very related to today how when you first watched especially the first two episodes of a show which looks at the outbreak and looks at like you know this fungus spreading and scientists didn't know what caused it and all that do you find that like it actually do you what was your opinion of it in the post COVID 19 world um i mean you know you can't help but make some parallels. Yeah. Um, especially in um, almost like veiled criticism in the show at how 
um, authorities in real life have dealt with the pandemic. Um, I mean, yeah I, yeah, I think it's impossible really not to draw any comparisons. And I think, yes, this is a work of fiction, but, you know, it is trying to say that, you know, like it is sort of like the authority's responsibility to sort of look after the people. And also that um, something like this, you know, it, well, not maybe not the cause of, of like the pandemic, but definitely the effects can be worsened by our reaction to it. Um, yes. you, you know, sort of, they they do. Is this is not in the game, but in the show, they they literally state that it is our fault that the cordyceps has evolved to infect us because the world temperatures have, on average, increased. So it's made you know a reason for the cordyceps to evolve. You know, obviously that's an accident. Evolution's and like they're all like little mutations, accidents, but. Because because of like global warming and climate change, whatnot, we've created the ideal situation for them to essentially like destroy us. So it almost seems like this poetic thing that because we are destroying the planet, it will now destroy us. You know, um, whether or not the game meant to do that, I don't know because I'm not that clued in on sort of well, like the game. The, the the game doesn't really go into much detail about it. Yeah, and the game is literally like it's spores instead of fungus. Right. Okay. Um, but I. But think... they are meant to be cordyceps, though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. cordyceps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, we're I'm not an expert in that kind of field, but when I watch the two kind of pre-credit sequences, um, yeah one with John Hanna and they're talking about, and it's like based in uh, 1968 and they're talking about this uh, concepts virus. And then the other one about the doctor in, um, oh, what's it, where is it? Uh, Jakarta. Yeah. Those are, in my opinion, the two most scariest scenes in the show. Like, yeah. you know, like because it, everybody could relate to that. Because what COVID was at the start was something that nobody knew what about. Nobody knew how powerful it was, how easy people can die. And people were gripped in fear. And and this is really watching you thinking this is what we felt like back then. And the idea was like, like it's concepts. COVID was something no one understood. No one understood where it came from. Hmm. So I think it adds a lot more to the symbolism of a show what, having its release in the post-COVID pandemic world. Yeah. yeah. Because it was all about the unknown. Nobody knew about what this virus was. Nobody knew what controlled it. Nobody knew how to spread it. Like, you know, there was like, there was news coming out of like all these people dying in Wuhan, stuff like that. You know, there was there was even fake news was a big thing with COVID. There's fake news yeah. of people, you know, waking up from from um, you know you know the bags they have in the with you know in in um waking up look just walk around like zombies like people were like terrified and people were like thinking like oh what is it in the air is it something we're eating stuff like that you know and in this world they do say it's the flour that kind of spreads yeah yeah well he is like in grains and cereals isn't it Yeah. yeah yeah and how this was easily spread because it would take like one person patient zero and is spread all across the world yeah and how in like a couple of hours the whole society shuts down 
and yeah. that was very similar to what happened with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two scariest scenes because mm. they felt that they were the most real scenes to yeah. our to our world than what the rest of it was, in my yeah. opinion. And we're, we're, we're mentioning. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. So carry on. <laughs> oh no, I was just saying that. Like, um, this is how much I love the sort of like very subtle showing, not telling story yeah. of, of you know, the, the way they tell the story in yeah. this because you know joel later reveals and it's like oh you know they, they think that you know it was like in like the flower and stuff like things that people use all the time and in the very first episode um he says that he forgot to get pancake uh, pancake mix yeah yeah so you have to wonder whether because of that little slip of the mind like oh he forgot to get like one ingredient it saved their lives yeah yeah the, the, the writing's phenomenal, honestly. But that first episode is That episode is insane about yeah. just looking how mm. the outbreaks start. And, like, talk about, like, budget. Like, that... They really recreate the scene from the game of Joe and Tommy Tommy in the car with, with Sarah. There's planes crashing. There's, like, people run out in the streets. There's, like, you know, infected. Is she, like, attacking people? It's, like, it's absolutely insane. Um and it's very you just shows i like yeah it just gets on a scale it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and then you see like the personal tragedy hit joel when sarah is killed by by soldiers and the thing is it's quite interesting is like you don't feel you kind of you kind of watch and you feel like this is what soldiers would do this is because people didn't know what happened people thought anyone was affected so you know yeah. this soldier was, was given orders to shoot this, these people he would follow it because no one knew what to do and it's yeah and um it kind of shows that like you know the, the, the decisions humanity has to had to make to survive it's very like a big, big part theme of the, of the show, and you know we could talk about that right at the end. You know, talk about the final episode. Um, do you want to talk about the final episode and the kind of big, the big kind of moment in the final episode? Yeah, like um, I'd I'd already seen that before. Obviously, on the spoilers for like the finale, but um, the sort of like rampage through like the hospital. Um, I mean, yeah, like that is very good in how it translates to um, the game. But I like how they changed it in that they show that what Joel's doing, yeah, he's you know he's saving Ellie's life, but what he's doing is not good. He, he is literally killing any person that he comes across. Yeah, taking their yeah. guns and then moving yeah. on to the next person and repeating. Yeah, there's it. no, there's no mercy at all. Yeah. And and I... the blurred morality is, it's not admirable. This yeah. should be the sort of like white knight trying to save the damsel in distress, right? But it is a perversion of like the classic like fairy tale. Yeah, it's. Definitely. I wouldn't say it's like a you know quote unquote deconstruction because I think that's overused. But this is showing the harsh reality of this world that he is trying to perform a good act, but he's putting himself through evil acts to achieve it so that this innocent girl can survive. Okay, so I, on my notes, I've written down Joe's rampage savior or selfishness question mark i think is it's he, definitely a selfish love it is selfish love and maybe he kind of might have argued oh i'm doing this for to save you but it's like no you're what you do it 
it's like is he doing this to save Ellie or is he doing it because if he's he kind of just wants that daughter there? Yeah, he can't afford um, to lose a daughter. Yeah. Like I think I mentioned to it over like Messenger and stuff that I think he's so desperate not to lose another daughter. No, yeah, exactly. He knows that you know, you know, he can, he will do anything to stop you know losing like this new daughter. And maybe it is like he is—he has survivor's guilt over his daughter's death before that he feels that like he has an obligation to do anything that he can to rectify that. Even though he yeah. can't bring his original daughter back to life, he'll do anything now to stop it happening again. I'm going to have a, I've got a very controversial point I'm going to make. Yeah. And people, uh, some people might get it. Some people might disagree with me. But Joe, at the afterwards, when Joe says Ellie, he starts calling her Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. And it really starts freaking me out. And it kind of Im- imply it ca- it's kind of like it's quite horrible. Like, oh there's uh, there's this film about it, um or TV show, I can't remember. But basically the concept was that this mother, her daughter her young child died in childbirth, yeah. Yeah. And she named him and stuff like that. So she steals actually this actually happens in real life. She steals another baby and this and she brings up and starts calling it by the child's name by the child's the dead yeah. child's name and the idea is like she's so like heartbroken and like so full of grief that she takes another child out of desperation another person's child and starts raising it as her own mm. and it kind of i get that with joe because he starts calling sarah, ellie sarah the yeah. idea is like in a weird way ellie has been imprisoned by joe like yeah with yeah. like the, the the father's love for his, his the father's desperate need for love, mm. and like he t- Ellie wanted to make that decision to save human humanity, yeah. And you could argue that she had she should be given the choice of what she wanted to do, not just be knocked out and suddenly just prep for surgery, yeah. And whether that's because Marlene thought that Ellie would say no, she'd be against it, but she should have been given the choice. And that's part of the reasons, one of the reasons why Joe goes down a rampage because it's like the Fireflies haven't given Ellie a choice. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, and from that, they you make they actually make out that the Fireflies were the, the bad, you know, the villains. Yeah. So before Joe Rampage starts, you kind of have already have a disgust for the Fireflies. And um, especially the way they treat Joel as well, they come like, you know, the two guards are such assholes, and you're like, you know what, you know what, like, yeah when you put it in context well, you're like i think that's just classical sort of like you you want to establish that they are hostile you know people so you're they're hostile towards the the protagonist that you've been following yeah yeah it's a bit i wouldn't say lazy but it's a very uh tried and tested method of you know of instantly fearing something whereas if they were all happy or lucky and joking you know that they're not to be feared you know it, it's just a, a classic way of like doing it but honestly i would but because I feel like there is this selfishness of Joe that he's lost a daughter, he's regained one, he's going to lose another again. That mm. prompts him to do that. And he would, and I didn't, it makes it kind of, it's interesting looking like at humanity and how humanity has survived within the show to kind of make you look like, okay, well, Joe doesn't care about humanity living anymore. And as long as he's like able to live again through Ellie, he doesn't care about the the, the future of humanity, mm. and that's why quite an interesting um, kind of thought to put in there, because 
I feel like Joel, if if he had to lose somebody for the, the you know for the survival of millions of people, that question would you do it? And it comes down to the question is like, would you kill your loved one if I meant like the world be saved? It's uh, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of it's that kind of question. But Joel is so like, no, he's so broken by it that he would literally go to these lamps in order to save her. And at the end of it, he's not the best liar. And I think she can read it right through him. Yep. She she knows that, instantly. Yeah. She knows. And, and maybe that, that she question? doesn't know exactly, but she knows that he's lying. Yeah. Yeah. And it is that question of should Joel have told her the truth at that spot? Because hmm. I feel like she is old enough to understand. I don't know whether he believes she's old enough to understand, but like she should have been given the respect and should have been told. Yeah. Because mm. it involves her, involves her, you know, she has not made this decision, but she should have been told basically why did it, the reasons. And it, yeah. And you come to come out of it. Like when I first played, when I played the game and I was last seen, I kind of, understood where Joel's coming from, but watching it on a, on adapting TV, I've come out of it thinking like Joel is fucked to the head now. Yeah. yeah. And you don't and you feel very sorry for him. Yeah. Um it's a very much a big debate thing as well. Like it comes down to morals. It's like would you what would you do in that situation? Who was in the right? Joel or the Fireflies? Mm. You know, yeah. like, and, and I mean, it is easy, sort of, like, you know, like from the comfort of your own home, judging mm. these characters. But then, if you are put in the same situation, you know, what would you have done? Well, it's like it's 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 like people who, um, you know, have got who, who you know, people who like have got like uh, loved ones who are like ill and they want to die, and you have that choice whether to keep them going or actually just you know, send them for euthanasia. Yeah, it's a really unless you experience it, then you can't really have a you can't you don't really know. Yeah, and in a weird way, Joel is basically is kind of euthanizing Ellie because he's like, well, do, do you know? I'm um, you know he does well. He doesn't really have a say in it to be honest, but he's got a decision whether to do you keep humanity going or you basically end whatever is left of humanity's what's mm. left the future of humanity because of because of love it's quite it's quite interesting yeah. um and well, I think what do you a... think of um the whole you know the, there is that sort of like uneasy relationship at the beginning that joel doesn't want to be in this position you know he, he doesn't you know it's all to do with uh tess it's not him but then he sort of by the end he grows to love ellie as like a daughter figure I think part of it is like he. Is... Do you think it was well done in showing that sort of transformation of the relationship? I, I personally felt like there should be more scenes, and I think yeah. we could have done better with another episode because yeah. it doesn't get to that point. Like when you get to the end, begin of the last episode, um, mm. you see how Joe and Ellie seem to be like being around. For, they have they re- they've had a very strong relationship since like for months. Yeah. Yeah. And only in the last episode that he calls a baby girl, as he called mm. Sarah, and that's right at the end. And then suddenly you got like you feel like there's been a massive jump forward where they're like acting like a father and daughter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whilst yeah. before it wasn't like that. 
And mm. I think this could have been done with another episode, make yeah. it a 10 episode season, mm. because you I, need to expand on that, really. Yeah. I feel like the the passage of time is only shown through like the pa- um the turning of the seasons. Yeah. You know, whereas if you are, yeah, say playing the game for like, as you say, if you can be something like 40 hours, is that sort of like experience yeah. that there's you spend time with these characters for a long yeah. time? Yeah, you know, because in the in episode six, he wants to leave her, and basically she mentions Ellie, and this is one of the problems that episode six. I think it was very rushed hmm. because suddenly R- remind me what happens in episode six. They go to Jackson, and basically, oh right, okay, uh, yeah. and basically, uh, Joe says to Tommy, he was like, look, are we not are we not Tommy?" And says, "Look, can you take her? Because I I don't no, yeah. I'm not weak enough. It I'm should not be you, to do he it. says, isn't it? Yeah, 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 and." And then there's a massive argument in Ellie's bedroom, and then for some reason Joel thinks about Sarah, and then suddenly, when he go, he said he's like, "Oh, do you want me to come with you?" And then Ellie says yes, and I feel like Joel's already happy with it. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was alright with it, and I felt like there was some, yeah. there should have been some more scenes. But then in that point, yeah, there suddenly it's literally like for episode seven and eight, Joel is basically injured, so he hasn't really got development, yeah. It yeah. felt very rushed, especially at the last the last half in the show. And I thought there is the the the, the second half of the show felt quite rushed. It felt like they needed to get to that point where Joe makes that decision to save Ellie. And I felt like it came across a quite a rushed rushed way. It could be done a bit more, you know, a couple more, um, a couple more kind of you know uh, running time as well, more minutes. Uh, another episode as well, and if you look at Left Left Behind, Left Behind is a such it's a good episode, but do you, I personally think? Do you reckon it it might be better if it were, if it was shown at the early start of the show, because it ends episode six ends with Joel being stabbed, and then episode seven is like the Left Behind part, so you're like you're kind of in that kind of group, question we're like oh it's you know if you're like hand played games you're like oh is joe gonna survive is joe gonna do this and stuff like that is he gonna live mm-hmm. is ellie gonna run by himself and then suddenly you got like a flashback to ellie being bitten and yeah. i know it's important because in the game the dlc takes place while joe is basically recovering mm-hmm. and ellie's trying to like you know, save him but i felt like and maybe... that the, the um the dlc is left behind right yeah left yeah. behind and some lot some people i listen to have said that maybe Left Behind could have been like an episode, a separate episode, like a bonus episode, or it could have been like released. I thought it's going to be released like quite early on. I thought like okay, yeah. Left Behind be like episode three or something, mm. just as, just so yeah. we got out of the way of like mm. and what why Eddie got bitten. But yeah. then watching as as, as someone who hasn't played that that part of the game or or the DLC, I kind of feel like it fits very I don't, well. It's not very integral to the story. In yeah, my opinion, it, but I feel like because the story really. slows down, yeah, know, in terms of like pre- in terms of present day, it does require a, something to sort of keep the story going and to give a bit of backstory in regards to but how they, Ellie was bitten. But what they did yeah. was they had to follow it from the game, yeah. And mm. I think they kind of released it like the, they kind of had this this kind of storyline, this, this you know this flashback storyline, just be like in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, because it is. It is really, um, and 
and this is you know the, the episode is a DLC is like an expansion of of it and you it answers the question of how did Ellie get infected but I personally kind of think about now thinking like did it need to go in this like season like is it would it really like have developed the cow you know is it really integral to the plot and I don't think it is mm. um I think it could have been a bonus episode or I think it could have been like I don't know maybe we got a flashback in episode three episode four a short little opening flashback you know having Ellie and uh Riley and then you know they have their kiss and then they get bitten and then that's it like you don't that this was like roughly like 40 minute episodes yeah and it's all about them going around the, the mall and stuff. And I felt like, why do we need to have this? And it became kind of a point where it was like, oh, look, it's the pun book and stuff like that. So it's kind of answering a little bit of questions about like, oh, how did Pet Eddie get the pun book and stuff like that? Like, yeah. it, it, I personally felt like it would have been better as like a, an opening, opening scene before the opening titles. But it should not have came, it should not have been put where it was in the show. And I'm, you know, Bella Ramsey is absolutely great in that episode, but her best performance is the, you know, the part where she has to basically fight David and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and Cannibal Cult. Like that was cool, yeah, yeah. With with like you know, like the whole building is eventually going to collapse around them, and and the use of like the the shadow like cinematography was amazing. Mm. It's very very cool, definitely. But I, I personally, yeah, we left behind the, the the kind of thing. I feel like it was like. So was that part like with like David and the cannibal cult? Was that in the DLC as well? No. So basically, the DLC happens where Ellie is going out hunting while Joe is basically she's trying to keep Joe alive. Yeah. So it's just it kind of in you kind of go with Ellie in Left Behind and then go back to kind of like the present where she's trying to survive. And look after okay. look after Joe. So that's yeah, that's basically it. Um the cannibals really just play play into the main base game, to be honest. Yeah. Um but yeah, I felt a bit it, it it felt kind of it felt like Walking Dead has had episodes before where they have like a lot of like backstory episodes, yeah. yeah. A lot of fillers. And this episode that episode did that kind of plot. I did kind of feel like a filler. Like this is there to answer the question, really, how she got infected. But like, did we need to know that? Like, why she got infected in this, in this first season? Like, could you not have shown that in like the second season? And even the mm. question of like what, how she's immune, I doesn't really make sense because her mother got infected while she was given birth. It doesn't yeah. really. I, it doesn't make any sense. And I kind of preferred it if they had that kind of like that that kind of like uh, mystery about it. And that's one of the things with Stranger Things as well, where they like Eleven's got these powers, you know, where she gets powers from, and you know, kind of idea is like, oh, maybe you know, maybe she's been born with these powers and stuff like that. But then they start like revealing that no, she developed these powers from someone else because of the experiments and stuff like that. And I feel about okay, that's kind of ruins the mystery a bit. Um. And the same thing with Ellie, like, okay, seeing the birth of Ellie, fair enough, but like, do we need to have a reason why she she's a moon? Like, 
I kind of wanted a bit of a mystery part of that as well. Like, you know, this this girl was sick, you know, she's she's immune. Why? Do we need an explanation? And we spoke about this before with other shows, like, you know, TV shows, like, Billy Scott wanted to make the origins of the Xenomorphs, like, but do we, maybe, maybe if, if the Xenomorphs didn't have an origin story, mm. and they yeah. were, they were just these creatures that were mysterious and no one knew where they came from, yeah. then it... I think, yeah, like, the, the sort of, it's the fear of the unknown, isn't it? Yeah. Which works so well. As, as you said, yeah, like, Ru- giving the xenomorphs a backstory sort of ruins the the mystique and and the the allure because people could put their own explanations behind it, couldn't they? Um, but I don't know whether obviously that part where Ashley Johnson is playing Anna and it's basically like Ellie giving giving birth to Ellie, you know, it's mm-hmm. just and then it's like Marlene appears and I can but okay, I can understand why why that plays an importance. To why Marlene that relation, Marlene's had that relationship to with Ellie. So when Marlene decides to okay, we're gonna give surgery to Ellie, she always has that connection where she's not like someone who doesn't care about Ellie. Yeah, you can tell with Marlene she doesn't want to do what she wants. She doesn't want to do what she has to do. Yeah, but she has to do it. And um, and 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 then you you know when when Joel kills her, you do feel sorry for her because. She is doing what she thinks is for for humanity, and um, yeah, it's it's that rampage thing. You kind of feel like Joe would never like you hear all these rumors of before or what Joe was like, and he's quite a violent man during the, the pandemic before he met Ellie, and this really shows that like this sounds like this is what he was like, like mm. no kind of mercy. Um. It's um, and uh, you know, like the brutalism Joel Hart does in this show is like, is it needed? Yeah. Or is it like, is it literally like you have mm. to go brutal in order to survive? But yeah, he's that sort of like, I he's the the. I... Oh, I just had a really weird deja vu moment there. He's that idea of sort of like he can control his aggression, can't he? Hmm. I'm sure I've mentioned like these sort of characters before where you can't help but like them because, yeah, they're very violent and very aggressive characters, but they can almost control it or they can use it when they need to. You know, yeah. Like, so, a good example would be when uh, they're trying to break out of Boston and there's that guard. And when he sort of yeah. know, finds out that Ellie's infected, Joel like snaps because yeah. he, it's almost like he knows that like this is the time to sort of like, you know, to give in to his like his more his base um, instincts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if Joel had not been the way that he is, he, I don't think he would have survived in that world, you know. Right. It's only because of the sort of, like, the hard life that he's lived, you know, is he still around. Um, Yeah, and it's sort of like the... I didn't really like how um quick the sort of reunion was with his brother, Tommy. You know, they just sort of, like, you know, they shouted you know, at each other across, like, the town. And they sort of like you know hug, and then like they just have a uh, a little like a quarrel. That I think that, that episode should have been longer. Like yeah, like we had yeah. like an hour and a half, mm. two episodes. Why yeah. can't we just have a little bit? Exactly. Like what well, normally a bit was episode four was quite a short episode, and I was like, yeah, you've got so much to like. Why not like yeah? Ex- why not 
adds a little bit more scenes mm. and stuff like that. We needed well. more like showing about Jackson and like explaining yeah, why it, why it's so good, you know. But so that I, when we finally get back into the real world, the fear like returns to us and it shows how oh my you know one, it makes the outside world even scarier. And two, it makes Jackson seem even more of like a safe haven. Cause in the games, um Tommy and Joel have to stop these raiders from attacking the dam. So is that in Jackson? Yeah, that's in the yeah. game. Yeah. So, but this is very much like over here, do a bit of this, and then we go in. Yeah, and they're leaving straight away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I didn't really the way Joel gets stabbed, and I felt it was a bit like, oh, <laughs> it didn't really feel like, oh my god, I didn't have a shock factor to that, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe because the way it, I don't know where it was done. Mm. I don't. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. Should we it, move on to the idea that, like, what are they going to do for season two? Okay, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be spoilers for Last of Us Part yeah. Two. So if anyone's watching, um, yeah, you've uh, been warned. You've been warned, <laughs> and then maybe like skip ahead um, a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, we could talk about um, Last of Us Season Two. Now, apparently, they are thinking of splitting Last of Us Part Two into multiple seasons mm. and i think that's a good idea because i think one of the ways you could you need you need to have you need to make it so that ellie becomes the fat more of the favorite character than joe yeah, does yeah, yeah because of what happens like imagine they made season two and then three episodes in joe gets killed by abby yeah yep you're gonna have a lot of backlash even though people people play the games know it's going to happen, but people who haven't played the games are going to be like... They, I hell? think the shitstorm is going to be even worse than in the games. I think people yeah. are going to... Pedro Pascal's a very likeable character, and I think there will be a fan base that will be pissed off, and they will be vocal, and they will... You know, it, it's going to be even worse than the games, I think. Yeah, and I feel like you should have Joel's death maybe occurring in season three or in season four. Because or like you... at the at the end of season yeah, two, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But but the way the 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 second game is, it's very divisive and I'm not a big fan of it. And I you know, I'm I've made my kind of remarks known and I'm just like, look, I'm I'm not a big fan of the game. I don't like the ending of the game. I don't like some decisions they made. Yeah. And I yeah, and it feels very much like okay, we need to rush into the Ellie story. Like we need to kind of get rid of Jill, which yeah. is really much like and then having Ellie at the end of the game basically left with nothing. And, yeah. I, and I was just like, This is not literally I told my friends, my friend was like, you know, like, oh, what happens in the second game? Because I don't really spoiled. And then he was like, Yeah, okay, this is what happens. Ellie basically like loses Jill. She basically um fights Abby, Abby bites two of her fingers off. So Ellie can't play the guitar anymore. Ellie gets into a relationship with a girl who has a child. And basically Ellie's pursuit of vengeance basically make, gets her to lose the girl, her, you know, her, her lover and the child. So when Ellie comes back after letting Abby go, because Ellie decides now that vengeance is wrong. And let's Abby go. She returns to the house. Um, you know, her lover and the kid are gone and she's left playing playing Joe's guitar and she can't play anymore because she lost two fingers. And that's how the game ends. And I'm feeling like that is just that is such a bad ending. It's not a happy ending. And this is I know it's not a happy ending, but like 
it's not satisfying. It's not satisfying. And it's like, where can you go from there? Mm. Like, yeah. and I feel like this, that should, they really need to kind of, especially if this is very much a one-to-one adaption of the first game in this, yeah. in this season, the second game needs to be a bit different. It needs to have like more original parts to it as well, in my mm. opinion. Like, because otherwise, if you if your season two is going to be See the last of us part two. It's gonna, it's gonna be very divisive. It's gonna be very, it's gonna be such a very divisive season. Um, and the credibility of the show would be like go down. Yeah, because that's um, like if they kill off the yeah. Grimes. Yeah, in the Walking Dead in the second season, you're like, exactly, okay, yeah. why? He's the main mm. character. Like, yeah. But um, but Eddie's not our point yet. Where people are like. No, like, yeah. oh my god, I really want yeah. to see more Ellie than Joel. Yeah. It's not to our point yet. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. In um, the games, it's different because the games, you already fan favor Ellie. Yeah. But then, you know, you. But, you know, but that's the thing. But, like, in this, in the, what the show's done is it's made more focus on Joel than it does on Ellie. Yep. Yep. Which, which has kind of made it harder for themselves. Yeah. Where, where yeah. I even have to think that um, Last of Us Part Two should be something like um yeah like a, a season further down the line but in the meantime they tell their own original stories in between yeah is it, or, exactly. or it follows different characters i think that'd be grand honestly and then come back then with a more experienced early a more grizzled joel and it'd be really exciting and then catch him off guard and just kill joel see like i think I'll that'd be much see, more i would like to see more of tommy to be honest because yeah. through Tommy, you could see more of like like how his other side of humanity's living. Yeah, and, like, and as I said earlier, like they've laid down the precedent of showing these one-off character episodes. Why not like dedicate a lot of episodes to his story? Yeah, and Gabriel you know? Luna, like he's able, he's a good actor. He's able to probably carry an episode of his own. Oh like... yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great, actually. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, who knows what they're gonna do? Exactly. Um, they're probably gonna play it safe and yeah, do as you said, like. Uh, season two and three are going to be The Last of Us Part Two split into two parts. Because I didn't see the show going past five, four seasons. I reckon. I don't know what this like fascination with is with, like, it, doing like but, but, friggin' The Office, like making fifteen seasons and stuff, and ruining the absolute ruining because, the show. Because it's the idea is the the studio were like, okay, we want to make the production company like, oh, this is popular now. Let's make this and this and this. <sighs> um, well, it's, you know. F- Breaking Bad was very much. Vince Gilligan was like, "Okay, this is five seasons. This is, you know, yep. there is like what sixty-two episodes. This is it. This is what's going to be." Mm. Now, Succession is coming up to its last season, and Je- Jesse Armstrong was like, "Okay, this is it. This is the fourth season. This is what's yeah. going to be." Yeah. Whilst other produ- like other productions have been like, "Oh, let's add more of this. Let's keep keep this going." And I feel like The Last of Us, if Craig and Neil put the hands, you know, if they, what they've done, if they, if they kind of are able to kind of express HBO, look, this is going to be like a four season show. It's fine. But if they come along and then realize, oh, we didn't know about a second season. And then like HBO, like, okay, what more seasons of this? It's, you know, they shows tend to not do great after five seasons, unless yeah. it's like a big games like Game of Thrones where the yeah. story is like, you know, important. Yeah. 
well, you know, they, 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 the, the story evolves in this way. It yeah. follows a different cast and crew than originally yeah. laid out. You know, it should evolve in it. Um, I don't know. I, I think they have something very precarious on their hands, whereas they have something very good like this. So I think they need to reel in the studio, you know, and, and keep them in check and showing that, you know, like, well, there's been time and time again, it's shown that things, that a lot of things can go wrong with a very good show like this. So what they should do is, yeah, it's like bolster the existing cast, you know, give, um, I forget what, what she's called, uh, Bella Ramsey more to work with, more of her story for what is eventually going to ha- happen. Because, um, I, you know, I, I put the, you know the meme on like our page, and I was like, the whole thing of um, Joel shooting a random doctor in the last episode. People who knows what's going to happen, you're like that doctor being, um, I forgot, I forgot her name. Um, Abby, it, yeah, Ab, Abby's father. It it is like a smart move to like cast this actor who has like the surgical mask on, so that they can basically cast whoever they want in the next part. Right? Yeah, and, and and this makes it be, and Abby is a consequence of Joe's actions. It's not yeah. like Joe gets off scot-free and like there's no consequence. Abby is the consequence of Joe's actions. Well, yeah. she wants to have revenge on him because he killed her, yeah. yeah. I don't know why she notices him. Maybe she, there, there was a thing someone said that like, oh look, Abby's in the actual scene in the, in the no, show. And I was like, no, 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 no. no. Um, even like, even the even the Druckmann said, oh no, that's not Abby. That's a uh, well, why do why do people song. why do people like speculate all this crap? Oh, because people there's a there's a big fan base for Abby. Yeah, there is quite a big fan base for Abby. Mm. Um, like, well, like actually, like they like the character of Abby. Yeah, really. yeah. Okay. Um, because I mean, when they're in Jackson, you do actually see um, you see Dina. Yeah, Dina's there. Yeah, yeah Dina's yeah. there. Um, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, D- you D- know, D- D- Dina's Ellie's lover, isn't she? In the yeah, second game. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot the name, and I, I thought, oh yeah, Dina. Yeah. But um, I mean, th- there's a rumor that um, the actress for Abby's already been cast. I, I forget the name of the actress, but um, uh, the actress is followed by Neil Druckmann, which is interesting. Whether or not that's like Druckmann being quite tongue in cheek and like you know, trolling, <laughs> trolling everyone. Is anybody's guess, but um, it, who's the actress? I forget. I forgot what, what her name is, but um, I'll I'll try and like message you, sort of like if I find the actress. But um, yeah, people seem to think they've cast her because she has very like same like face shape as um right. as the character. Okay, yeah. Good. Do you know that uh, Laura Bailey was one of the nurses, doctors in? Um, oh no in, way! Yeah, oh, that's yeah, really she, cool. She was the one that one of the other doctors that uh, yeah. basically Joe, you know, yeah. told to like drop, you know, put her mm. hands up. Because obviously, again, in the final episode, we had Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson, um, yeah, and then Troy Baker was um, yeah, James. Uh, James, James, he was, he was yeah, David very cool. man. I'm and glad you know, it's that um, it, it wasn't like know, oh, get the voice actors yeah. to play. You, you know the like um, the 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 right hand man of uh, Kathleen. Yeah, yeah, that was the voice of Tommy. Yeah, it was. It yeah, was. I love yeah. I love that. It's, um, and obviously, you know, the, the the cast of like the original game probably love being on set and seeing well their work come to life like this. Anna Anna Tov voices Jet Tess. In, yeah. in the game, Merle Dandridge voices Marlene. So. Mm. They have bought, uh, you know, voice actors can be actors as well. Like, yeah, Katie Sackoff. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, I mean, well, it is really bad. Like when 
you you are very happy with how a show ends like this for its like its um its first season, but you're very very apprehensive with how it's going to go forward. Because let's just say let's say the um, the Last of Us was a book a uh, book series right a completed book series of ten books and it's been well received throughout. I would kind of feel very confident, but this Last of Us franchise, the games, has only been two games and they've already adapted one of those games. So one has to wonder, as we were talking about earlier, whether they're going to expand upon them, whether they're just going to you know, kill Joel off in the next season and just keep on going forward with a random plot line and, and just totally go like Game of Thrones. Well, what's handy is you do have Neil Druckmann involved in, in this. And he has been more involved in this to say George R. R. Martin was in Game of Thrones. And I feel yeah, like if George R. R. Martin was yeah. more involved in Game of Thrones, then maybe the show would have been a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And but Neil Druckmann has gone more involved, and I don't think he's been like an obstacle. Yeah, especially in the pre-production and all that. I don't think he has been at all. Mm. Like he's able to work with Craig Mason and he's able to input on what makes Joe, Joe, and what makes Ellie, Ellie, yeah. what makes this world the world because he's he's the director and the creator of the game. You know, yeah. I think that's a really good. I think like any adaption in the future, like well, to to, to an extent, like obviously the the adapt the author and the original creator has to be alive. But like, I think future game video game adaptions, yeah, should incorporate the the creators or people who worked on the writing of the game to you know to be to. Be involved, really. Like, if they're making an that should series, be obvious, right? Have Neil Druckmann be on it, like, yeah, that should be have, obvious. If you make a Halo show, well, they do, but like, you know, they should have worked <laughs> on a Halo, a, a is, good Halo show, <laughs> yeah, make a good Halo show. Bring in the original writers of the first Halo game, like, yeah, like you know, that's it, so it, sad. They couldn't even get the rights to the music of the game. No, exactly. That's, that that was that's. Fucking horrific. Well, no, yeah. there, there, there are moments where you hear like the, the iconic <sighs> theme, but not it's kind of blended in, so yeah, so bad, honestly. Yeah, but if they make an Assassin's Creed game, they got to have like I don't know the writers involved. And if you make a God of War series, which Amazon want to do, get Corey Balrog in it. Like, oh, he knows, yeah. he knows, um, you know, he knows how you know these, these two the two characters, he knows what it is, he knows what the fans like. You need to have that. It's really important, I think. If you, you know, and what's happened in video games in the past is you've had the writers come on. They're like, oh, okay, um, oh, okay. I've read, I watched, I, I played this. Actually, I don't like it. Let's just make something original, but to shuffle the, you know, these kind of already established characters into it. Yeah, you know, let's not, you know, let's not listen to the studios and the writers of the studios. Let's just make their own thing. Yeah, and I'm glad HBO were allowed to have. Yeah, Craig Mason is a really good writer. Yeah, he worked on and Chernobyl, right? Chernobyl, and uh, yeah. and you know, the the Chernobyl has a sense of survival of this kind of the grey morale, and and we we watch Chernobyl, and it's a very harrowing show where like you know people are getting shot because of you know they got radiation, and you know like people have been it is a post apocalypse yeah. in Chernobyl in Pripyat. In this one small city, yeah, and you think that when you're watching it, you're like this is going to be like you, it has makes you have the fear of nuclear holocaust or nuclear apocalypse. Hmm. How like you know even and you follow these characters who did not know what to do in these situations, and I think having him 
create to know you know adapt the last of us i think it was a perfect perfect uh, I, and i think it, it worked well because there's very similarities between the last of us show and chernobyl yeah and set in the sense of like the post-apocalypse and kind of the world ending the kind of gray morale and what humanity has to do to survive those themes are in it i mean both those shows yeah um Yes, I kind of wish there maybe a bit more. They could have added another episode and kind of maybe, kind of twirled, twist it around a little bit, kind of make it a bit more kind of make sense. But yeah, at the end, this is an amazing show. And before I want to actually talk talk about you know come to our conclusion, we've I realized we actually left off like one of the big things of the show we have spoken about. Uh, what was that? That was the infected. <laughs> yeah, like we have, so, we haven't, we yeah. haven't spoken about the clickers or the bloater like at all. Um, and I think that like I loved the infected in the show. They were terrifying. The clickers yeah. they were used really, really well. They were terrifying. And my favorite scene, my my favorite episode, yeah, of the yeah. show. I think I know what you're gonna say. It's gonna Is be it the scene the, where the bloater reveal. The boat reveal and and all the infected come out from the ground. Yeah, it reminded me of watching Hard Home, where like yeah. you see like all these white walkers just like, come out of nowhere and literally do like the the, the living are overrun and stuff like that. I I watched. I, I thought it was an incredible scene, like when the truck collapses in the pit and everyone's looking inside. So all these infected come out and it's just like a bloodbath, and you see the 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 clicker child and it's absolutely terrifying. Oh my god! It's, yeah. It is. It's, it's like it, I, I compared to Hard Home that you know that that the episode was good, but you know that scene kind of escalated to be like, oh my god, this is amazing. Like, yeah. Um, but like seeing the bloater on there and how and the clickers and how they look so well adapted from the games. Yeah. Despite the the, the effects and the design, it's it was uh, absolutely amazing. Um, and I can't wait to see the Rat King if they do make rat, the Rat yeah, King. Yeah, that's season. crazy. Oh, oh, yeah. I told my friend about the Rat King. He was like, "Yeah, you think the bloaters are crazy? You're gonna see the Rat King." But the Rat King was just like, "It's a game. It's a video game boss, isn't it?" Like, it, it literally lo- looks like a friggin' like Resident Evil boss. Is yeah, exactly. And you, you, because know, like you, the second entry, you want to up the ante, don't you? I understand yeah. why they created the Rat King. Um, yeah, I I think they did sort of like everything in regards to like um, dread with like introducing the um, the infected it was very very well done, and like how it like interacts where you disturb like one of those little like feelers that's in on lying on the ground, and then across the city like the the, the sort of like active drones of the inf- of the infected are like alerted. Yeah, yeah, I I, I thought it was horrific. The, the makeup was fantastic, especially of the um, is it the clickers that have the sort of like the split like skull with all like the yeah, mushrooms yeah, growing out of their yeah, head? Yeah, 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 phenomenal, honestly. Um, and and there's and and I hate the clickers in the games because yeah. you've got to be so careful, yeah, like with the movements and all that. Mm. You and... can feed runners to the clickers, can't you? Or is it the other way around? I think. I think it's runners. I think runners are the yeah. I think it's runners. Um, 
but but there's a scene when we first introduced them in the, in the show and it's in the museum. Yeah. Oh my god, it's scary! And like, I loved it because like when they see the dead body, they're like, you know, a zombie. In fact, he will make that. And then you're like, you you've been like, okay, you know what's coming, you know what's coming. Yeah. And it's just like the perfect introduction to like a scary star zombies, where it's like you know, it's, it's the clicker like. Have yeah. you seen the video of like the vo- vo- uh, actors doing clicker voices? It's really funny. No. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. is it like the voice actors for the game? I think it. I think it's just the actors from the yeah. show making okay. noises. But you know, even the bloater, like you're like this, this, this guy is unstoppable, unstoppable. And they have the the killing move of the bloater where he rips the guy's head off. Like, cause I hate that in the game when you find the bloater. Yeah. Because. Yeah, it, like w- watching the clickers and photos reminds me of like the endless times I've had to replay the last checkpoint. I because... don't know if I like, I hate like playing scary games. So like I've seen like the the sort of like kill screens of like when the infected kill um uh Joel or Ellie, and it is horrific. It is it is horrible. It is it so is, bad. It is so horrible. I like how they brought in some of the actual kills um kills of like the I think it's the bloater when yeah. he killed um. Yeah, uh, that's Darlene. what. Uh, is it Darlene? That's what, that's what I, that's, that's what oh, I mentioned sorry. just yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where he rips his head off. Like, oh my god, I, I was just, like, thinking in my head of like all like the really bad ones. Oh, um, horrible ones. Do you know what was really weird? I, 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 I heard of someone that this wasn't in the game. Um, Tess's death when that um, that infect is like is coming up to her, and you see like the weird like feelers coming out of his mouth, and then it like kisses Tess. Yeah, that, that is, is really weird, isn't it? No, I don't f- know if the Druckmann and Mason actually said why it happens, but yeah. I thought it'd be something that would be kind of answered, but it hasn't, and it's a bit like, oh, okay, yeah, because in the game she is killed by uh, Fedra, not by infected. All oh, right, okay, because um, what happens is like Fedra kind of tr- track them to the. To the built to the to the building, yeah. Um, I think it was it like the courthouse, and um, she basically sacrificed herself to that during '83. Whilst in the, in the, I think it makes sense more in the in the show because you're like, why the why are the federal soldiers running around? In um, I find it weird, Zach, actually, where like they will kill people for leaving the quarantine zone, and you're thinking like, why don't you just like let people go anyway, and you know. They can't come back. I think it, I think it's like the threat of violence, you know, like just because they need workers, you know, they need like people to control. Um, yeah, they need potential yeah. conscripts, so they just want the the threat of violence that you know leave and we'll fucking kill you. They just but need we, to keep we, people in line. Yeah, but people wouldn't have left there. And I guess you know the only the only instance of them actually trying to kill people leaving is the guard who knew that Ellie was infected, and he yeah. only, he only wanted to kill her because she was infected. Yeah, you know? so that's yeah. the only um, time we see it. I mean, in in the in the series, you know. Um, I find it yeah weird when they when Joel and Ellie meet up with Maria. Yeah, and they have the dog, and the dog kind of doesn't pick up that Ellie's infected. And I don't, that, that's I, not in the game, is it? No, but it does make sense though. Like, I thought that was really weird. Like she still has cordyceps. Um, yeah, so yeah. the dog would have picked pick it, it up. up. Would have picked it up. 
it, yeah. the dog should have picked it up. I don't yeah. understand why. He I, I don't get that. Yeah. Maybe has it left like her? Has it kind of left? Has it because she hasn't been infected in a while that it's kind of gone away? I, like, I'm trying to rationalize it. And the only thing I can think of is that the cordyceps has changed her essential, like her DNA or like something. They do explain it, don't they? That it left yeah. something in her brain yeah. where maybe like how it functions is changed. So the cordyceps is dead, but any time that she comes into contact with cordyceps since, it'll think that she's already infected, so it's not going to infect her. So it's not, so she she'll get it, but it won't be like an active sort of cordyceps. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of anyway. But I thought it was really dumb. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it was. It, didn't make it was sense. like the the whole bait and switch of like, yeah. oh, it's a really tense situation, and then it's it's broken by a moment of levity. By yeah, uh, Ellie but, playing but with the dog. It, it, does, it doesn't make sense to us. I think I, I didn't like that. No, would have sensed it. It was a did bad. It then, yeah, it yeah. was a bad bit of writing in an otherwise good episode. I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, they needed to break the tension and show they that really these need, people are good I people. They really need this. They need. They didn't have to keep focusing a lot on why Ellie's in fact did not. Yeah, affected. yeah. And it's, well, it's like, not okay, about we, that. We is don't it? want to yeah. know what. I we don't really know. Nobody knows why. That's why they they're. You know they're doing the the surgery on her, like yeah. But then they say that the reason is because it's in the brain. It's like okay, but the reason why she's infected, I, nobody wanted that. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really care to be honest. Like, yeah. But then they're like, oh, they're kind of implying that because she was born when her mother was infected, she's immune, and it just, it doesn't make sense. It's like if you want I to explain yeah, that, yeah. if you want to answer that question, like not you, but like. If the writers wanted to answer that question, it needs needs to be like a logical reason. I know, yeah. but, I know realism in this show. You got to take it out sometimes because oh there's, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's uh, some unrealistic moments. And I mean, yeah, this is a zombie show. Uh, yeah, I don't think they like using the word zombies, but this is again, this is a zombie show. Yeah, yeah, but but then again, you know, they pride themselves on being realistic. Within yeah, its I mean, genre, like, yeah, they? yeah, exactly. And zombie, the zombie genre is unrealistic. I mean, like, look at World War Z when you saw these zombies climbing up a building. Like yeah. a wall. <laughs> you know, you're like, you're like, okay, that never will happen in real life. It was, a, you know, but, <laughs> but it's just, it's it's fantasy in the day. Like, yeah. But obviously, the concepts is a real disease. It's a real pandemic. But this is kind of like an idea of how it would affect humanity. Yeah, um, I I kind of did like that they didn't um, betray its original message of um, no that this is about you know humans like trying to survive in this sort of world. Yeah, yeah. it isn't necessarily all about the virus, is it? It's about no. our relationships. Yeah, and people who argued this should be more infected and why there wasn't any infected, and it's like yeah, but this isn't again. This is not. The show yeah. isn't about it. It's about it's about humans. Yeah. yeah. Again, like you want people, you know, killing zombies left, right, and center. You, yeah. You've got yeah. the wrong show. But if you want to do that, just play the game. Like you exactly. Know, yeah, or, yeah. Like play Nazi zombies or something. Yeah. You know, like, and, I, and I think um, <laughs> Nazi zombies. Um, I think like zombies. the you know the the, sh- the games did a really good job in bringing in popularizing the game, which is it's not just an FPS. Uh, yeah. Sorry, it's not just a third-person shooter. It has a story to tell. Yeah, you know, and like since then, you know, we've had, you know, like, I guess, like um, Horizon Zero Dawn, and you know, like God of War, the revival God of War. Anyway, um, 
it, it shows that the, this genre has a lot of potential for storytelling. Well, also cinematic as well. So, like, the, yeah. this is the, the game is cinematic storytelling. Yeah, and that's where video games are going. But I think after this show has shown that you can make a very good video game adaptation, and it has broken the curse. Yes. Um. So, I hope with other. Announced Assassin's Creed show, oh, God, Fallout yeah. show, uh, God of War show that they do incorporate like a sense of make a good adaption. Yeah, yeah. Don't like, yeah. Mess it up. Do you know what you don't need? You don't need shit like in the Uncharted film where you have bloody Nolan North on a beach and it's like, oh my god, what happened to you? And it's like, oh, we fell out of a plane. And Nolan North's like, oh, same thing happened to me before. You're like, yeah. fucking stop. Yeah, it's yeah. So cringe. It's so cringe. It's so cringe. Yeah. Fuck. Um, I'm trying to think, what was the sort of like show, or sorry, that game where had Nolan North and Troy Baker? I don't oh, know why I'm thinking about This is that. the Batman game. Oh, no, I, sorry, I'm thinking of Uncharted. The, the Nolan North, no, yeah, Nolan North yeah. Um, voiced David in the game. In the Last of Us game, ah, oh, right. So they can yeah. bring him in for like a, a cool little like. Cameo. Yeah, I suppose he wasn't in this one. Yeah, maybe he's he's a busy man. He's he's a very popular actor and a uh, uh, voice actor. Right, See, uh, yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, go on. Oh, no, carry on. <laughs> no, I was I was literally about to say they should bring in Laura Bailey, but then I remembered she was already in it. <laughs> no, they could bring her back. Anyways, yeah. let's not make it kind of that's her character. Um. I think that's anything else you want to say about the show before we wrap up? No, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Phenomenal. It, I um, was like literally looking forward every week to watching it. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. It felt, and the viewership for this show is like, it's really high. And it's yeah. like HBO's most successful show viewership behind the House of the Dragon. Wow. Like, like really right behind the House of the Dragon. And I think everyone would. Even HBO was surprised. They were like, "Oh my god, people love this mm. show!" Because a lot of people who watch the show, obviously, you've got the the, the the people who play the game, also you've got a lot of people who haven't played the game and they still enjoy the show. Yeah. So this is a show that appeals to both the game fans and to the common audience, really the non the non gamers, non gameplay fans. Um, what was your rating? What would you give your rating on the show? Nine out of ten. Yeah, I'll give a 9 out of 10 as well. There were obviously, mm. mo- obviously there were times where I feel like stuff was rushed. And maybe, yeah. as I said, like maybe they could have expanded a bit more on certain things. But yeah. again, this is brilliant. Pedro Pascal is a powerhouse of an actor. Bella yes. Ramsey is a powerhouse of an actress as well. The chemistry is amazing. Um, and all the other like character, you know, actors, actresses in the show played the roles really, really brilliantly. I really hope we do get some Emmy nominations for um, Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey, and the Goffman and Murray Bart- Bart- uh, Bartlett. I think they're yeah. really, really good. Um, it's great having Gustavo Santolala uh, back in it, voicing the uh, score in the, the piece, and David Fleming as well added some music as well, which is really, really great. Um, yeah, this is a very terrific show, and I would say. It's probably the best zombie TV show you'll probably ever see. Yeah, and I, and I say that because Walking Dead, what well, is good, but this show is like another level. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's my thoughts. 
And that's um, bring on season two, which yeah. probably won't happen until probably next year. It's because we shows nowadays always take like a two year gap to make. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's in vogue apparently, taking a fashionable gap for a bit. So <laughs> <laughs> it's called. No, I just oh, think right. like I just made that up. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, thank everybody for listening. Um, comment your thoughts or DM us your thoughts on the show. Do you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? What would you say could be improved about it? Um, can you, you know, and also, you know, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you should email us. If you want, uh, if you've got anything I've come in, like a project or something you want to kind of talk to us about uh, and promote on here, please feel free to uh, DM us or email us. Um, and I mentioned our email earlier. And please like, share, follow, and all of you if you enjoy this episode. And you can listen to this podcast on many of our on our platforms, including Spotify, Anchor, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, um, Amazon Music, um, and all that. So yeah, um, thank you, and also Overcast as well. I think that's my favorite. <laughs> I always do Overcast for podcasts, to be honest. Um, but yeah. Um, uh we will um next week we haven't really decided yet what we can talk about which will be our kind of discussion after recording this episode yeah um but hope everybody has a good week and we'll see you on the next Hoffy coffee cast and when you look and remember everybody when you're lost in the darkness look for the light brilliant well, that wraps up another episode of the Hoffy Coffee Cast. But before we end, me and Reese want to thank everyone for listening. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to like, follow, share and review. In addition to tell your friends, family and fellow nerds and coffee lovers about our content. We both enjoyed talking about these topics. And with your help, we can strive to be bigger and better and bring out much more to our fans and listeners. I'm your host, Reese Bolton. And I'm your host, Reese Jones. And we'll see you on the next Hoffee Coffee Cast. Take care and goodbye. Bye.